This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Akbar Baja Biamilla, host of American Ninja Warrior. Uh, I'm filling in for Brooks and Gavin. I am now the guest host of How Men Think. And this podcast is so interesting to me because it really does do a deep dive into our thought process. And today, part of that thought process is going to be Alfonso Ribeiro and good friend Jerry O'Connell. Not to mention, we have some help. The super nanny, Joe Frost, she's in uh, today. And we're going to have a discussion on how to adjust to the new normal, especially at home. Uh, With school coming back into play, back to school, everyone's excited. What does that look like? I'm interested. I've got four kids of my own. I know Jerry's got his kids. Alfonso's got his kids. What do we do? How are we doing it? We're going to hear from them shortly. But right now, let's bring in my two good friends, Jerry O'Connell and Alfonso. Jerry! What's up, dude? What's up, Alfonso? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. I feel like you just came off the golf course. I think every time I see you, you're always golfing. No, I, I, listen, I've actually, I haven't even been to my golf course in two and a half months. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because I mean- And I, why is that? Well, we'll get into that during the interview, but I went, I, I, I've been all over the country in my RV and haven't played really any golf at home. I'm actually gonna go tomorrow for the first time in over two and a half months to play golf. I'm gonna take my boy with me. Oh, that's good. All right, well, that's good, man. Having having a little bit of fun out there. Jerry, what about yeah. you? Man? Uh, nothing. I actually, um, I am taking golf lessons. I'll be ready. I'm trying to get myself ready for when I go out with Alfonso and I don't embarrass myself totally when I'm out there. But um, <laughs> nothing, man, just sitting at home. Watching you on Instagram. <laughs> Watching me on Instagram. Well, hey, look, let's dive right into this. You know, uh, everyone kind of you know knows that school is getting ready to come back in, and uh, people are often, how, what's this new normal look like for, especially for fathers, um, and for you two? Look, you guys are big time, prime time celebrities. I gotta just ask you guys straight off the top: Do you guys cook at home? I know, you know, Alfonso, you've been in and out RV at home. Are you guys cooking at home? Um, no, no, no. Um, one, I ain't been home, but two, you know, I'm really good at breakfast. So I'll do breakfast. Breakfast is something that I can do, but my wife is so much better at it that my kids, if I actually say I'm making breakfast, I hear the, oh, like, you know, like, (laughs) well, I got to feel that way. But every once in a while, like I give my wife a break and she doesn't want to, you know, she stays in bed a little longer with the baby and, and I'll come down and cook for the boys. And it's like, you know, I'm eggs maybe a little turkey bacon, you know, just basic, basic. Pancakes? Right? Basic, no, turkey bacon, turkey bacon. What about pancakes? Yeah, my wife does the pancakes. My wife my wife does the pancakes. <laughs> okay. She does the Swedish pancakes, she does the regular pancakes, she, she does the pancakes. So the kids okay. really like the pancakes. I can do, I can do French toast okay, but, but, <laughs> you know, they're not really into it as much. So, okay. so yeah, so I don't do a lot of the cooking. My wife does most of it, but um, during, during this pandemic, uh, we've been doing it in our RV in different cities all over the country. So uh, she's had to really up the, uh, the the quick RV cooking game, right? Like you don't want to cook for an hour in the RV. You don't really get, you know, super specific and start getting creative. It's like, okay, what are the basics? What can we eat? What's quick? And, and she rocks it out, right? So the, the Bob Evans, you know, mac and cheese and, and, and mashed potatoes have been great for us because she can knock it out. Me? Yeah. No, nah, not so much. <laughs> I know, too. You're, you're on that Bob Evans stuff, too, Jerry. Uh, listen, I know, I, I know you're asking about our, our culinary skills, Akbar, because I do follow you on social media. And if I recall, you posted a recipe for your vegan pancakes a couple of yes. weeks ago, if yes. I recall. <laughs> yep. Um, they looked amazing. I, unlike you, am not very good in the kitchen, hence why I think Bob Evans and I work so well together. They are ready to eat all real ingredients. I pop them in the microwave, and my children have mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, boom, right there. Because I am now, now that they're distance learning, I am now their cafeteria chef. So I'm in charge of their school. Oh, so you just, you hook it up with the Bob Evans, 
And you go, boom, boom, boom. And there you go. Hey, guys, now get back to your Zoom class. Exactly. It's, um, it's, it's, it's just so easy for me. And also, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit, I am not the vegan pancake culinary expert that you are, Akbar. Hey, well, no judgment. I, it sounds great. I, I, I'm hungry too right now, and that sounds great. I mean, you my, might actually convert me. <laughs> well, my wife, my wife is of Swedish heritage, so she makes the Swedish pancakes also, and so she rolls them up with the butter and little powdered sugar on there. So there's, and then we'll make them make the regular pancakes. We'll make banana pancakes. We'll make blueberry banana pancakes. So she she rocks it out. Me, you don't yeah. have to text me that recipe. The Swedish pancakes—I've never heard of that before. I've just oh. heard of the like the regular pancakes. Oh no, the Swedish pancakes are like paper thin, so you actually need a griddle to make it on. You can't make them in a pan or anything like that. You gotta need a full griddle, and you make them. She makes a gluten-free one, and it's like super paper thin, and you roll them up. Um, you can put kind of uh, like a crepe. It's like a crepe. It's basically like okay. a crepe, except it's a pancake, and so it tastes a little different than a crepe. Crepe doesn't really have the flavor, whereas this still has some of that flavor. Well, look, I, I, for all the listeners, for those of you guys who actually want to get more information on Bob Evans Farm, you guys can go and find that information on bobevansgrocery.com. Um, I'm sure people are going there right now. That sounds yeah, pretty good. good. stuff on there. Uh, we're talking about fatherhood, you know, and fatherhood has been challenging. I know at least for me, because, you know, with four kids, Alfonso, I know you have four. Yes. I've got twins. Jerry, I know you've got twins. What's been the adjustment um, or the biggest adjustment you guys have had to make uh, during this time? Because I think especially I know, you know, husband and wives can kind of go at each other. Uh, for me, personal story, in the first two or three weeks, I was like super dad trying to do everything. And then after a while, I just was like, like and I just scooted, hey, babe, yeah, you take this, because it was hectic. I didn't know what to do. And so now preparing for the new school year, I'm trying to come up with some more plans. But I wanted to hear kind of some of you guys' plans on how you're going to adjust for this new staying at home and distant learning. Well, I'm, I'm actually one of those people that I, I view life, I'm very mental about life, right? So what I'm always trying to do is recognize, okay, this is our new normal. Let's figure out how we do this for the long distance, right? So I'm not going to be the, the the guy who comes in and goes, I'm super dad for two weeks, and now I'm out. Um, yeah. I, I want to be, you know, a stable, steady flow through the summer, through all of this. Um, and so my wife and I have agreed that I think the best way to do that is to find the things that we do and keep a normal pattern every day. So it doesn't feel very different. Then eventually, once we reached the point where that was, you know, two and a half months old, we then said, all right, we need to switch this up. And we bought an RV. So we bought the RV and went out. Basically, I've driven over 12,000 miles Are since the beginning serious? of June. Dead serious. Oh, so, wow. So we broke out. We were like out of L.A., like L.A., the, the numbers are going crazy. The world is kind of opening up, but I don't believe that we're going to be OK. So we were like, let's break out of here. Let's go. Let's go see family. Let's do it. RVing is the is the easiest social distancing way to travel. You are by yourself. You never need to be around anybody. You go into the truck stop. You put your thing in. There's actually apps that you can do where you, you're like, I'm at pump 23 and fill it up, get back in and keep it moving. Um, the only thing you, you ever have to do around people. expensive gas for that? Huh? You cheap gas or expensive gas for that? Um, well, it's diesel. So, you know, oh. uh, it's, 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 in some places it's more expensive, in some places it's cheaper, depending on yeah. where you are in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we, we just went and we, and we loved it. And so, we got into the rhythm of, I always said to her, you handle inside, I got outside, right? So anything that we're doing outside, anything that was like physical with the RV, all of that was me. She handled all the inside, most of the cooking, most of the, you know, I, we both clean, but, um, you know, the handling of the stuff inside, she got what about the, What me. about the Zoom meetings for, for classes and, and all the educational stuff? So typically at most RV parks, they've got Wi-Fi. So you can tap right into the Wi-Fi. The other thing is, is that my RV actually has a 4G um, actual hotspot. So I, as long as I have cellular, 
I have a hotspot and basically I have Wi-Fi that everyone can connect to. So let me I've put it this way. Alfonso's Wi-Fi in his RV is way better than my Wi-Fi at home. <laughs> as long as you got cellular, as long as you got cellular, the Wi-Fi works great. Like for the kids, we, you know, we're streaming in the RV. We've got Wi-Fi. We can get on computer. We're, we are a mobile unit traveling around the country. And it was fantastic for all of us. Now I'm back in LA because now we're back at work and we're filming AFE again. So I've got to be here, but I have like a month that I'm going to be off. We're wrapping up in the mid September and we gone. We are out of here again. We're going to go away for a month, go traveling. Um, whenever we need to go anywhere, we're going to just make sure that the places that we go have 4G capability. Um, and we'll be we'll be doing schooling and social distancing, all of that, while still not being stuck in the house. Because we just don't know how long this is going to be. And for right. us, we felt like it was super important to create a world that they're going to be happy in. Um, I'm fortunate oh, enough to create that world for my kids, yeah. you know, to be able to buy an RV, to be able to go do that. Um, but, but but I think the important message, though, Alfonso, is what you're talking about is the ability to adapt. So, you know, yes. regardless of what their finances or your capability is, you had something that you were able to adapt and it was sustainable. And and so I guess I asked you, Jerry, like, what was your, how did you adapt and what was sustainable <laughs> for you? Because, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm looking at myself right now. I did something that wasn't sustainable. I went into overdrive to try to compensate for all of this hectic stuff and like, you know, new information coming out. And so I tried to go into overdrive and then I got burnt out. It wasn't sustainable. And then I just found myself sitting in my office, watching the news, feeling like I was depressed and just getting all the update. Well, what should we do? Should we overbuy and do we not buy It was all this stuff. What's been the way that you've kept things sustainable, Jerry? Well, I, my family and I did rent an RV for four days, and we drove to the oh, southern. Oh man, tip I don't want to hear four days. Listen, you didn't go twelve thousand miles. <laughs> we we went to the southern tip of Yosemite, and after four days, I mean, it was not going well. We got out of there immediately, <laughs> so we don't have we don't have the bond that Alfonso's family has with each other. Obviously, um, no. If the if there's anything I've learned um, during these last five months is I, I really have to have patience as a dad, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the dad. And um, if I'm freaking out um, in my household, and by the way, I have a right to be, I, when I got married to my wife, I never thought I'd be spending this much time with her. When I had children <laughs> with my wife, I never thought I would be spending this much time with them. I mean, we're kind of joking, but I'm not. I, normally I have a job. I go somewhere. Uh, I can go, out to a restaurant. I can go meet my buddies at a bar. I can go play golf with Alfonso. Um, really, all of those things are not open right now. And I'm stuck with these three people <laughs> in my house. <laughs> and listen, it's very easy when your kid comes in and is screaming about, you know, not being able to get onto a Wi-Fi, uh, onto a Zoom class. You know, it's so easy to say like, um, you know, stop yelling at me. I don't know why you you can't get on the Zoom class. It's not like I'm not like a Zoom expert. Technician. <laughs> um, you know, I, I like I, I don't work at Best Buy. What what do you think? You think I'm Geek Squad? Right. Um, what was the, really... what was your first response when your kid said, "Hey, Dad, I want to change my background." Like my, my daughter asked me that. I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, how do you change? All my friends have backgrounds. I'm like, I'm sorry. That I'd never even heard of Zoom until this year. That's the beauty of having a 17-year-old, right? Oh, so wow. she's the one that's like, if I need to know how to do something, I'm like, hey, Sienna, can you show me how to do this? And, <laughs> and my wife is really good at that. You know, listen, the, 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 the beauty of all of this is basically being able, like, I bought a new RV. New RVs typically have the most problems, right? An, an older RV actually is typically they've gone through all the problems and gotten them fixed, right? So I went into this knowing that things were going to happen. We were going to deal with people who were going to be rude. We were going to deal with racism because we went through areas of the South and places in the Midwest that were not as cool. We were dealing with, you know, the, the RV having trouble. At the end of the day, it was like, we're not going to allow this to affect our energy. Yeah. We are going to blow it off the shoulder and keep on moving. 
And I think that is, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect in any way, but I look at it and I say, that is what we all need to be able to do during this time. Nothing is in our control. We've got to let go of certain things that are simply not controllable and accept that, okay, these things are going to be difficult. These things are hard, but how do we roll with it? And well, how, for me, how, how as the guy, that? as the man, as the man of the house, I'm like, well, if I set the tone, then everybody else can follow. Right now, how do you, how do you move that forward? Because there are a lot of people who are, you know, who are listening in and they're saying, okay, I need to, now learn from what I did last year. What are some of the things that you learned from last year that you go, okay, you know what? That didn't work. This is what I'm doing. And for, for example, my kids' fitness levels dropped. Uh, their eating habits got nasty. I mean, because, and myself included, because I constantly was going to the fridge either out of emotional boredom, out of stress, my kids feel like they're locked up. Where do we go? Can you play outside? Okay, go real quick and ride your bike around the thing. And then, you know, we're just making stuff up. But now, like for 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 example, I am now like creating as as we're speaking now. Uh, as soon as we get off this uh, off this podcast, I'm actually creating a PE list for the entire school year, so I know that the right. fitness level. So no matter what, during PE time, I, there's no. I'm not taking any meetings. I'm not having any work. I'm not doing anything unless they pay, come pay me to do. Leave that the house. part. Yes, Send yes, me yes, a Zoom yes. link. I want my kids in. The, I want my kids in your gym class. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, I, right. I will send mine to the Akba uh, School of, of PE. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but I think I think what you're saying is absolutely perfectly right on. Like I think you're you're you, you're creating a system, right. and that is the way we all function. At least for us in our house, is the best. Like when it's just like, well, we're just going to roll with it. It doesn't always work the best. This is what we're doing. We're getting up in the morning. We're going to take our showers. We're going to brush our teeth. We're going to go downstairs. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to Zoom class for two hours. Then we're going to get up. We're going to go outside. We're going to run around. When we're outside running around, we're going to do this, 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 and this. Okay, then we're going to come back in. We're going to do that again. We're going to go up on a Zoom call. Then we're going to get off of that, having a complete schedule. We actually have a board, and we write down everything that they need to do, whether it's speech uh -huh. classes or whatever. It's on the board. So right. now you're not actually being the bad guy. The mm -hmm. key to it is it's on the schedule. It's right. already on the board. We know we have to do this. And I know that it stinks right now that you've got to do it, but it's on the board. You make the board the bad guy. And you essentially, and of course, you know, as they get older, they're like, you wrote the board. What are you talking about? But <laughs> you keeping them on a schedule. Kids like consistency, right? Why do kids you know, at a younger age, not get upset when they have to go to school because it's consistent. They know they got to do it. This isn't, this isn't a choice. Creating right. those systems the to familiarity. me. Is, is, exactly. Familiarity yeah. with things that they're comfortable doing. If you create exercises in your backyard, um, I lost 10 pounds over COVID, right? Like, yeah, hey, you saw that look Jerry gave you? Jerry just gave you that look like, come on, man. Like, I put on. No, I, 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 it was a look of, I'm ashamed right now. <laughs> Me too, because I put on 15. I don't, show you what's, I don't want to show you what's happening under here. No, you know what I call it? I, I call it Corona Chub. That's what I've called it. I've called it, I, I put on the Corona Chub. I used to have like a six pack there. It's like, nah, it's like a one pack now. But it was any but, any facial expressions I was making was out of jealousy. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> same here. I was like, come on, man. No, I, lost ten, I, I lost 10 pounds. Like, and it's just simply one, wife's cooking, right? Now I don't get to go to In N Out or I don't get to go to my favorite restaurants that put a boatload of butter and, and other stuff in it that like is going to make you gain weight. Like she was being consistent with breakfast was this, lunch is this, dinner is this, and different, you know, switching it up, of course, but it was controlled. So to me, and then getting up in every day, when we get to a new RV site, we go for a walk, get the kids out, we're going to go, they hop on their scooters, we go for walks, we walk around the place, we get up, we do some exercise, we run a little bit, we throw the ball. We're doing stuff and we're moving every day. And 
that's just consistent. If you can do that every day in your home living, that consistency turns into positivity. So Jerry, what, what kind of fun activities are you doing with your kids to get them moving or just just to kind of break the monotony of being at home? Because I think that's the other part that was difficult is that I think my kids got tired of seeing uh, our, our four walls, you know, just as like, uh, uh, do we have to again? Well, Anything you're doing differently? First of all, Akbar, I do have to say, if you do do a PE class for kids in school, please put it on your Instagram Send oh, us okay. all the link. Let's all join up. This would be amazing okay. if you had like a large PE class and you were running it. I mean, okay. I would be definitely into that. It's tough to get my kids moving around a little bit. You know, I mean, I think it's also why I'm so grateful to be, you know, partnering with Bob Evans these days is that, you know, we're responsible for every meal at home now. And if not for Bob Evans and they're ready to eat, you know, meals with made with real ingredients um i'd uh i'd be up the creek man <laughs> I, you know i'm gonna jump on that because i i can tell you real talk my grocery bills i mean just went off i mean just it just we blew up the the, the whole budget the budget was just sure. blown out because it was hard to kind of figure out what the new pacing of eating was and right. not having stuff there and we lost time because we're like i'm hungry oh, we gotta make something because we weren't used to that 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 flow where mm -hmm. you know at home when they're at school we, we're not worried about making anything now we have to try to come up with a menu and try to create all of this to kind of you know keep the kids at bay and then you know there's these long stretch but uh any other fun activities you, you might be doing with the kids or any great ideas like just to kind of break it um, up you know i mean listen i know i'm speaking to an elite athlete right now um i do want to say i did attempt to put my children into like a soccer camp before all this. Um, I have two daughters and, uh, you know, I wanted to, to see if they they had any athletic ability whatsoever. And I put them in a soccer camp and the coach called me up. And uh, I was like, why is the, wh why are you calling me up coach? And he was like, I want to talk to you about your daughter. And I was like, wow, this is, this is how it happens. Like, this is in my head. I was like, you, your, your, your kid starts playing soccer and then the coach says, I need to work with her alone. I think she's, she can really take it to the next level. I think we have the next Maya Ham on our hands here. And I was like, I guess I'll be driving her all over the country to different tournaments and stuff. I can't believe this. Like she's going to represent the United States. It's going to be really great. And the coach said, your daughter shows no interest in soccer whatsoever. I feel bad taking your money and having her come to this class all the time. <laughs> it's like, wow, coach, uh, I, don't, I don't pay you to hear your opinion. Just keep her alive. When I pick her run, up, she better run be her. Hey. Run her. Hey, that escalated quickly with your idea and your thought of what it was going to be. And yeah. the de-escalation, I mean, it was a precipitous drop. Yeah. Like, no. that's, that's the balloon that went. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, man. The thing is, the thing for us is that like, and I'm, I feel like I'm really lucky. My two boys are, um, are just athletic and they want to run around and they're literally outdoors trying to, you know, run around and do as much as they can all the time. Um, my daughter was, um, on the road to being an Olympic gymnast. Um, and now she's 17. She hurt her back. So she wasn't able to do it anymore. But the minute, the minute that happened, she switched over into dance. Um, so, you know, motivated physically, um, my kids are. So for me, it's, it's then kind of focusing that energy, trying to just make sure that that energy gets focused into learning, into developing skills and becoming better at whatever they're, they're interested in. Um, I'm probably this afternoon going to take my, my kid out to the driving range and we're going to go hit golf balls, right? Just because he, he, he's wants to go do it. He just, he's all in. So um, but, to, but in terms of advice, I would say, you know, you've got to make it fun. I think every person who's ever made it to the elite in any sport and anything in the world, it's not other people pushing you to do it. You got to find those things that they enjoy, you know, have them try everything. People used to laugh at me all the time because it's like, dude, you do everything. And I'm like, yeah, I do everything. The reason why I do everything is because I tried everything, right? And I didn't just try it and say, like, I did it one day and I was like, yeah, I didn't like it. I was like, no, no, 
I'm going to learn how to play baseball. I played baseball. I'm going to learn how to play basketball. I played basketball. I'm going to learn how to race cars. I raced cars. I'm going to learn how to play golf. I play golf. Like I do it. I learned how to play racquetball. I learned how to play tennis. I learned, I learned everything. I right. I learned how to dance. I learned how to sing. I learned how to act. I learned how to direct. I learned how to light. I learned how to write. Right. Like just keep learning, just keep trying and don't make it a short run, figure it out, do it just enough, just motivating our kids to just try things and to experience things is the key. I, the, the, the one thing I've said in all of my life, I do this all the time. I say, I don't want to read about something in a history book or in a geography book. I want to go see it. I want to right. go experience it. I want my kids to go, what does Mount Rushmore look like? And not decide to go to a magazine or a book or on the internet to look at pictures. I want them to go to our picture library and go, oh, when we were at Mount Rushmore, this was cool because of this, this, that, and that, because they experience it. Yeah, and that experience, that experience really sticks with them. It's something that is cemented in them. I guess the last one for me would be for both of you guys, Jerry, I'll start with you, is how do you challenge your kids because what I've seen and what I know to be true is that when you're with your kids that long, you start to see uh, deficiencies, areas that maybe the schools can't see. Because oftentimes when you, you send your kids to school, you know, you come home and you got the homework that they're dealing with and you see that. But I'm seeing other things in my kids that I didn't know really existed. So I'm trying to challenge them. So I guess what's the best way? Because I know Alfonso was talking about trying to find a way like athletically what, what a kid likes. How do you challenge your kid in a way that is productive? Um, you know, sometimes feelings get hurt. How, how do you do that? And you've got find, twins, so I know yeah. you and I both have share that in common. I find sc screaming at them helps if you really <laughs> like get in their face and you really yell. And um, uh, Man, be serious. Like, <laughs> teasing, making fun of them, teasing them, finding out what their insecurities are, and really like get hammering them on those. These are jokes, everyone. Um, uh, I guess it's like Alfonso said, just find something that they also enjoy, you know? I mean, like, I mean, Alfonso was just talking about it with the golf too. I, I got a couple lessons for my girls. I was really, I saw that photo of Tiger caddying for his son. And I was like, last week, I was like, girls, we're taking some golf lessons. We're getting out there. And they're just not feeling it. And you can't force, you can't force them to do what, what they can't do. Hey, Akbar, I got to say that photo you posted with your son and Kobe the other day was very emotional. That was uh, oh, speaking you. to kids yeah, and yeah. athletes and stuff. I mean, that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, those those types of moments you never forget. You know, obviously yesterday was 824 um, or when I posted that Kobe day. 24 Kobe day and just thinking about, you know, him taking that time after he kept his word during the game. Like, yeah, I'll come get that photo with my son and it was just one of those things I'll, I'll never forget. So that's why I posted it. Um, Alfonso, what about you? We're, we're out of time here, but I, I wanted to get your thought on how you challenge your kids to be the absolute best when you're around them for so long, um, especially when you see weaknesses, in, you know, academically. How do you challenge them to get better in that? So I, I like to utilize, um, when I used to race cars professionally, there were two trains of thought, right? The first thought was, where are you good on the track and where are you bad on the track? Make the areas on the track better and try to be just overall good. And then the other thought was, don't worry about the places you're bad on the track. Make sure you're the best on the track in a specific area. Because if you can just make it through while in your bad areas, you will really succeed in the areas that you are great. So I don't try to focus on the areas where they're, where they're deficient. I try to really push the areas that they are great at and really lift those up. Now by lifting those up, you create a difference between what they're really good at and what they're not. If they have it inside themselves and that kind of internal motivation, They'll want to lift the bottom and get it closer to what you've excelled at. So to me, I'm pushing on all the areas that they're great. Let's just focus here. Focus and be better, be better, be better, be better, be better, be great, be great. Because they desire that. They want to be great there. 
then that ego lifts the bottom of the things that they're not so great at. Ooh. They'll help lift that up to be closer to the areas in which they're great at. Um, did you say one that you also did motivational speaking as well? Did you say that? <laughs> sure. I've done. I've done a little. But yeah. but the, the the thing for me is that that is the that is you know we all have to have a theory of our lives. How do we function, and what is our theory about how do we succeed in life? Right, Jerry and I know this very well. In acting, one person gets the job. So if I'm a chubby short guy, I don't need to work on my muscle skills because I'm not going to get a role as a big hunk in an action film. Yeah. I'm a little chubby guy. I need to be funny. So I'm going to be the funniest little chunky guy on the planet because that's where I'm actually going to succeed. And You're then once I succeed there, I'll lift it up, I'll, I'll get in shape, I'll do that. But be great at the things that you're great at. Don't be mediocre at everything. Yeah, I love that. I love that because what I'm hearing from that is operate in your strength. And that's what I notice with my own kids. I try to get them to operate in their own strength. Um, I try to encourage them. I try to identify the negative talk because you hear that, you know, when they get off the computer, if they're frustrated from a lesson, I try to identify the negative talk and then encourage them because I always say, and my mom told me this a lot, is that your words are very powerful. What comes out of your mouth is usually your state of mind. And so trying to reverse that and get them to see the best of themselves. But guys, this is great. Um, you know, people are getting a real thought uh, or a real look into how men think. So thank you guys, Jerry, Alfonso, for giving your time. 12,000 miles, that's a lot of miles. Now I gotta go look at my budget and see if I can at least get 6,000 miles in our <laughs> Uh, because that's pretty dope. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty dope. Yeah, we so, about, and we about to put a bunch so more. We about to put a bunch more on there. And we're going to eat some Bob Evans Grocery.com foods along the way. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Love you, Akbar. See you, pal. All right. So we're back. And let me tell you, that was such a great conversation with Alfonso and Jerry, I learned so much. Uh, we're so we're so much alike, but we're so different. And so that was cool. But uh, we've got a real treat coming up next. Uh, she, you guys know her as the super nanny, uh, but Joe Frost is just an absolutely an amazing mind and an amazing super nanny. Uh, Joe, are you with us? I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. I mean, you are the Joe Frost, uh, obviously the well-earned title of the super nanny. What would you say to parents, the parents who are listening, um, is probably maybe a, if you have an advice or two on how to start the new school year, because I think that's probably the most important thing. A lot of people are anticipating what is this year going to look like? Last year, kind of a last school year rather, was just kind of a wash because we were all kind of reactive. How do you become proactive in this new school year? I mean, first and foremost, I think you have to, which is a tough one for American families, having spent many, many years around the world helping different families, um, I think you've got to lower your expectations. I think we, in our minds, want to be running the gamut of how things were before. And psychologically, being in a space to be able to accept where we are at right now where the limitations are, but what we can do is a mindset that basically allows us to look at the, the cup of, right, what can we do rather than feeling like everything's being taken away from you and the walls are getting smaller and smaller. So lowering your expectations, number one, is important um, with respect to, you know, what can we do in the day how does that schedule work? Because I can tell you, having spoken to families around the world regarding school, it's not ideal for any of us. You know, it's not a perfect picture with respect to how those schedules bode with parents that are home working, um, with the amount of different kids of ages that parents have and the work that's going to be expected. Like, you know, you want to pray right now that you hope that you taught those life skills, because if not, you're going to have a nine-year-old that's going to be calling you like a five-year-old, right, needing to do work right now. 
and it's teaching us you know it's it's in a way i see it like like an athlete right there's the endurance and the stamina and the moments where you push yourself a little bit more because you're having those breakthrough moments right to excel and right now that's what parents are doing up here you know they're finding it tough and they you know they're feeling like they're nearly at the finish line and they're being told no just a little bit more just a little bit more just a little bit more and that's painstaking because right now we've got a whole pe heap of parents crying yeah thinking that the finishing line may be here but we can't see it there's no expiration date so i would say lower your expectations be realistic with what you can manage it's not going to be perfect we cannot reach that However, our duty first and foremost is to look after our kids, keep them alive, keep them safe. Make sure that you have a routine in place that is going to support the schedule that allows you to be able to pace yourself during the week. Because if you don't, then you don't get enough sleep, then you get irritable, then arguments happen, then the kids are moody for every little thing, like you cut the toast in triangles and it's not good enough now, they want it in squares. Like your teenager is arguing with you and all of a, mo you know, all of a sudden you're like, I'm, I'm arguing with my 11 year old here, like what is going on, right? Yeah, I've got and, that 11 year old. <laughs> right, and you're like, what is going on? Like, I just sound like I'm in a playground right now. Um, and you find yourself caught in this tornado of mayhem rather than a moment where you can stay grounded. Stay grounded and focused on what's the objective? The objective is not to complete everything perfect. The objective is to be able to pace, have a routine that supports the family, come together if you can at lunch times and meal times so that you can connect. Don't spin a thousand plates. Again, we all give each other medals. Oh, look at Joe, her. Look at him. Look, look. Thousand plates. Joe, I love this, what you're saying, because that's exactly all the things that my wife and I, we did. And I think lowering the expectation, and it's hard because I'm a former professional athlete. And, yeah. I, you know, I do tend to set the bar high because I've been trained that way. Like, you know, you want something, you got to go for it. But I think what happens is, is that it not only stresses my wife and I out, but I think it stresses out the kids because there's certain things where you just are not going to be able to, to do and you have but to- you understand, yeah. But you understand, but you do understand with that mindset, which is- yeah, it's, not a weak, it's, not, yeah, it's not a weak, it's not a weak mindset because for me hearing that initially when you said that, lowering the bar, as an athlete, I hear that. And as a man, I hear that as, okay, I'm giving my kids less i'm not giving them the best i'm not pushing them to be the top but it, you're actually saying to actually if you lower that expectation and you're not trying to throw so much on their plate you're able to get the most out of this entire situation homing you know school home, it, COVID -19. Being, listen, it's, it, and it is being okay with your best right yeah. the reality is that we're we're in an environment that is is not conducive to us reaching what we were before so that's like somebody saying to you hey um you know um we're gonna have an egg and spoon race right now and your legs are gonna be tied but hey the rest won't be you're like well how yeah. am i gonna compete and run as fast as the rest you know and the reality is is that you can't expect to be able to meet what you did last year based on the confinements of what is expected of you. Parents right now are expected to be the puppeteer, the entertainer, the teacher and the parent. And at the same time, the person who, you know, is working at home, um, holding down enough dialogue to keep your relationship together when you've already spoke 4,000 words and you're done. And on top of that, now let's talk about redefining masculinity because you just spoke about being a man and saying, I don't want to think that it's weak. I need to remind myself that lowering my expectation is not a weak thing as a man. And to me, that talks to a bigger topic with respect to as we are finding out more about ourselves and what 
and the strength that we have. And it is forcing us to have communication that we can no longer use excuses for, as in, we're too busy at work, we don't have time, we're passing ships, um, I've got to get to work, I've got to stay longer, you know, well, school's doing this. The thousand excuses that I hear on a daily basis, been there, done it, I've tried everything, nothing works. The I've tried everything, nothing works culture. On top of that, this is a major breakthrough for men because women already had that movement in the 60s. We already went from apron string, bearing children, cooking big peach cobbler pies to we're in the workforce, right? And we're holding down careers and earning money. And I think there's been a whole, a whole level of movement with men over the last, not that long, I'm gonna say maybe over the last seven, eight years, where we have men really growing and processing what does it mean today to be a man and redefine masculinity because it's not how we were raised when we were younger and the models that we saw from men when we were young boys, but it's what's expected of us now as fathers, as husbands, and how we sit comfortable with that so that we can grow and be in, in this mode that's not survival. You know, I'm not the protector uh, or the provider or, um, you know, the person who is even maybe now the breadwinner, but the person who is emotionally supportive, the person who is, is going to recognize that emotionally expressing themselves and showing up with purple jobs rather than pink and blue jobs in the house is about teamwork together. And it doesn't but, define uh, me, itself based on gender. Does that make sense well, to you? Yeah, it does. But I, I want to push back and have a conversation in regards to that. Because as you're talking about that purple, the pink and blue coming together, again, coming from a you know sports background, I realize the the importance of team, the importance yeah. of having different roles. As a yeah. quarterback, you know, I was never a quarterback, but my quarterback, you know, he gets the attention, he does all this. I'm a defensive lineman. We have two different jobs, but we're on the same team. And I feel like, and correct me if you think that this is wrong or if I'm off chart here, but I feel like the purple mindset means that it come, it stems from comparison. Well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I remember early in my marriage, my wife would say, well, I'm at home doing this, that, and the other. And I'm saying, well, I'm at work doing this, that, and the other. And I was just like, rather than comparing who's doing what and whose job is harder, why don't we realize to be able to operate in our strengths so that way we can service our family because that's the team unit. Because I think when I try to do what my wife is doing, and if I try to put the pressure for her to do what I'm doing, I'm really taking away from what she does best. She's taking away from like, there is a, there, there's time to uh, to make adjustments and change that. Like, hey, look, I need to lean in over here. She might need to lean in on the other side. But I think when you start making this, making me into something that I'm not or making a man or a woman into something that they're not. And we're all designed differently. So it could be reversed. So this, it could be the woman is the breadwinner, the man is the stay at home. So it has nothing to do with who's doing what as much as respecting what they do for the team. Does that make sense? Because purple, don't you think purple is saying that essentially you're cutting yourself 50-50 for both like, you need to be doing that, some of that and you need to be doing that and boom, there you go. Oh, it's purple now. No, they're two different things. So, so you and your partner have, have the strengths that you're good at, right? Or the things that you love mm -hmm. to do and the things that you're really good, good at. Don't fix it. It's not broken. It's what you love to do. It's what you're best at. You work that out between the pair of you that make you in sync, right? Together. Then there, the, then there are the overall tasks, jobs, house chores that need mm -hmm. to get done. And that incorporates work as well as how you're raising the children and being productive with them right. and this is a time now where it's not defined by gender like well it's the man's job to do that or it's the woman's job to do that it's a moment of recognizing that it's a job and it mm -hmm. needs to get done so if you've worked out what your strengths are and where you are in sync because it's just a given right then the purple jobs become tasks 
that need to get done that do not identify themselves as yes. a woman's role or a man's role. Yes. And I'll give, you an, I'll give you an example right now because this is what I have been dealing with a lot across America. We've just currently, you know, because of COVID, finished filming Super Nanny. And I was helping a family where the father was the breadwinner. And this family are an Instagram family where they make their money from sponsors, you know, and they tell their family story. And the mother um, generated a demographic that brought a lot of interest in sponsorship. So they worked out together that it would make sense that he was at home raising the kids and that she was at work going into a space where she could do her work. However, they had major internal conflict as a couple because in his mind, he felt that he brought nothing and had no value because how he had been raised was to value himself based mm. on what he could bring in monetary and that money. And that is what men are going through right now as well is the recognize is recognizing that it has shifted over the years into a space that men are learning to value themselves not just based on whether they bring in money or protect or provide but the emotional intelligence of of how they are productive fathers and husbands and the teamwork that they bring in and not babysitting the kids no you're raising your kids you're not babysitting your own children you're raising your children you are as valuable and as instrumental in their lives as their mother you know but, but are, are we erasing some of the paternal instincts because i've heard you said a couple of times um you know protector provider I find that that is a, a paternal, in my opinion, I'm sure somebody will blast me about this, but in my opinion, I think that that's a paternal instinct. Like I'll never forget when my wife told me that we were pregnant, that she was pregnant with our twins. Yeah. And, um, the first thing my brain went to was, okay, I, how much am I gonna need to work? Uh, how am I gonna protect them? I'm not, like, my brain just, started, she's thinking about something. She's thinking about, what, uh, why am I forgetting? It's been a couple of years now, it's eight years since we've had uh, baby when they nesting she's thinking about what the room is going to look like and this was all natural no judgment like that was her thing and i think that somehow you know i think some of the conversations get into almost and i've had these conversations with a lot of my men uh my, my guy friends in that you know you almost start to feel bad for having a protective mindset or a provider mindset like that's not a good thing like and again i think it comes from a comparison thing but like, I, yeah, you like, shouldn't. Feel, no, no, nobody should. You know, nobody should feel bad for that. That's like saying, that's like saying a single, a single father raising his children should feel bad because he does what might be seen as a feminine energy, right, right? or maternal energy with his children, right? We've now, we've now come into a space where men are expressing themselves emotionally more. We are understanding the importance of men not raising their boys just to play with dumper trucks and trains, but to actually push a baby around and make home, right? And I think that's really important. I also think it's incredibly important in different cultures as well. As an African-American man, I think that's important. You know, I'm married to an African-American man, you know, and when I look at the culture and, you know, how he was raised and his father and I, you know, and I talk to the black community, I think there's, there's much growth there as well in understanding that actually, you know, men are breaking through in many wonderful ways that they can still own how they feel innately to provide or protect or what was wired, but to also encourage, you know, their young boys to know that they will grow up to be men who will be feminists, who will, um, who will have compassion and um, certainly this caring side of them that is shown from a very, a very young age because toys are toys and they're not boys or girls, a little boy can push 
a, a baby around in a in a pram and play home and make home and not be seen as it's something that is a girl thing to do. You know? let, me keep it, let me keep it real with you. I, I tend to, and I'm just, and again, I'm sure people will blast me on this. I always preface these things because <laughs> social media will just go, and I can't believe you're such a bad boy. I don't let my son in that manner. Like if he picks up, like he's got, you know, two sisters, right? I mean, he'll play, you know, might play with his sisters or whatever, but I won't let my son push around a doll and, uh, you know, and play. Because I, to me, I think that there's more of an emphasis on, and I've, I've had these conversations where somehow the man has to kind of move in the direction of, and I'm putting it in air quotes here, move towards more of the feminine quality. Um, and again, I put that in air quotes, um, whereas it's not the same really on the other end. It's not the reverse. Like that's kind of more seen as a pushback if, you know, you were to reverse that and going, hey, it should be more this way. And I just think that there's this thing, emasculating a man and if that if that term really exists, like he has to show more feminine qualities, he has to be more understanding. He has to be like you 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 kind of tapped on it where you know his emotional intelligence. But is the underline there like he's emotionally growing? Meaning that what like meaning he's meeting more. There is there is a there is enough scientific data as well as through experiments, social experiments, that show that if children, both sexes, are encouraged to just see toys as toys and play home and make home, it doesn't, it doesn't hinder a boy's, um, a boy's temperament or who, what their DNA is, if they're competitive. That's about temperament. If you have a competitive temperament, um, or if you have, you know, the DNA of, you know, your mother or your father, meaning you'll say, well, you're like your father because, you know, he, he shows characteristic traits that way. That's DNA. But how we, how we shape and teach empathy is through showing kindness and care. And that has been seen predominantly as a feminine energy, as something right. that little girls should do. Yeah. If we can raise our boys to have both, then we will raise them to become young men who will, you know, put themselves in other people's shoes, who will be more empathetic. That won't take away competitiveness at all, you know, yeah. or, the, or, the, or the need and the drive to be motivated, to be successful in whatever you do. But it does instill empathy and we all need more empathy in this world. It also and teaches young boys to express more, to be, yeah, and to I can speak, agree with you, and not feel weak or anything like that, you know, but to look, we're going through a mental health stigma right now. We know suicide is really high amongst young men and fathers find it really difficult, even though we're seeing progress now, to be able to turn around and say to their sport chum, hey, Boy, I just, I spent all day crying last night because my wife said something that really made me think about something. And because they're all thinking, boy, you're going to look at him and go, like, what's up with you, right? We've got to yeah. break through that to be okay with yeah. this. And, I, I, and I'm an emotional guy. And I've, I've had conversations with my wife where, you know, like I will, you know, and, and again, this is conversations that you, you hear all the time. Like if I'm more expressive about my emotional state, it sometimes may not carry over well. And I've heard from a lot of my guy friends that how much uh, conflict that causes in the house. Like the woman has the ability to be more expressive about her feelings. Um, and the man is supposed to listen, be more empathic. Whereas when it's reversed, it's going, and I think that's part of the conditioning and how you know we, we were raised is when, you know, again, just from some of the conversations that I've had, that when the man is expressive, it's just like, hold, hold, hold on. Like, almost like there's not enough room for, for, and for two what, emotional beings. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're like, I have to be the emotional one, you have to listen, and then everything else you just need to, you, you need to just process that yourself because you're a man, you're not supposed to have those feelings. But guess what happens? Then women have work to do. Then women have much work to do to bring men into a space of recognizing that vulnerability is not weakness. You emotionally feeling how you feel will only create more emotional, 
more emotional intimacy. Women can't have it both ways. They can't turn around and say, well, we we don't want you to feel, or please don't share it with us. You want We want you to fix things and to get the job done. Um, but at the end of the day, hey, I'm, I'm feeling like we're a bit distant. I'm feeling like emotionally you don't, you don't say anything. You don't get me. You don't talk and say anything. You can't have it both ways. You know, I think it's important for women to understand that if you want emotional intimacy with your man, and I'm not talking about sexual, I'm talking about on an emotional intimate level where you feel heard, where you feel that you have the trust where you can truly talk to one another about how each other are feeling, because men need that too, then you've got you to- You know what a lot of my guy friends say? A lot of my guys friends say that they don't go there. You know, there's this old idea that men are, you know, they don't talk much and they don't say much. And yeah. a lot of it has to be, comes from the ideas like they want to, but the minute they start speaking, that's when the biggest eruption happened in the household. That's when a lot of the confusion and the argument happened is when they feel like if I speak up on this, she's going to take it as personal. Like it's a personal thing. But when she speaks, it's more or less like I have to listen. I have to be, you know, I have to fix it. I have to, you know, recognize my actions and that's it. Like that's, oh, that's a good husband. He listens. But when, when the husband speaks, then it's just like, how do we get around that? Because it's like, like I'm apprehensive to say anything because if I say anything, then I know it's going to cause a problem. Here's what I think the number one tip for that communication is, is to validate what you're hearing first. If your job is to listen from your wife, then listen. And when you respond, validate, mirror what you've heard mirror what was said in that conversation so that your wife feels heard, that you heard what she said and validate that. And once you have opened up the gate to mirror what has been said, like, I'm really sorry that you feel that you, you have so much on your shoulders right now because that must feel really heavy for you and very tiring. Mm -hmm. And you have a long day because you're raising the kids, you know, all day and doing the teaching with them. And then, you know, you're getting dinner ready tonight as well. So, you know, I can imagine how difficult that must feel for you. And I'm really sorry you're feeling this way. You know, it's about listening, mirroring what's being said and then validating it. The straight away what happens is you, the men, you come from a stance then of not defending, but truly listening, and your wife will feel like you heard. And that will stop her from having that sword and shield up. Because if a woman talks to a man and he listens, and his only response is the go-to that defends himself, rather than to diffuse and to show that he truly did hear from mirroring and then validating, then you're going to have both of you up with sword and shield, right? right? Whereas if the man can hear, validate, and then diffuse the circumstance because the woman will be like, oh, okay, he heard me. Well, Joe, and he's talk about that. You can then talk. I would, I would assume that it's the reverse as well, because in that way, what you're talking about, I totally agree with you in, in that being able to listen and understand that. But what happens when the man identifies a problem? Because it's, you know, that from where you're talking about identifies that the woman will automatically come up with it first and then the man is kind of reacting to what she's saying. But what happens when a man wants to engage in a conversation first and identify an issue where he's feeling something about uh, the relationship or whatever the problem might be, whether it's back to school with the kids and how things are moving in the house? Like, how does a man address that without, because most, not most men, I don't want to say that, a lot of men. Not a lot of men. Look, yeah. around know, knowing that the minute they say something is wrong, the woman might take it as personal and saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing the, you know, a good job. And then it just kind of breaks away. Nothing, nothing is wrong that a man feels. Nothing. Number one. So if there are any women listening to this, you know, there is nothing that a man can say if he's expressed in himself, that is wrong because it's how he feels and he owns those feelings and none of us 
are here to be able to say or minimize how a man feels when he's expressing himself. If you've got to a place where your man actually feels comfortable doing that, then you're doing something right. However, wow. what I will tell you is, what I will tell you in those circumstances is the more we can practice as, as couples, the more we can practice in having conversation where we neutralize and see it as each other looking at solution rather than finger pointing, right? The better the outcome. So I use, for example, with couples, I've used a box. I literally took objectively a box with placards and wrote them down so that there was no tone to be judged, no eye contact or body language that could be misdued in any way and that you simply wrote the problem down and put it in the box and twice a week that led to then three times a week that led to then four times you opened up the box together and said right let's take a look at these problems and let's look at how we're going to solve them together because it's not just what you say it's how you say it the delivery, when you say it. And it's also your body because 90% of that is your body language in when and how you convey the message that you want to put across to your partner. So if you make an objective by putting those in a card together, you both go, right, let's take a look and see what's in here and let's work together to solve these issues. You won't sue me if I decide to steal that and, and, and use it in my own I household. I hope you do. I hope you do use it. <laughs> I hope you do. It's been very productive and it's been very successful for a lot of couples to be able to do that. And the, the fact is, is once you, once you do that, it's not the box that's the magic. It's the fact that you both came together with an open heart of saying, look, there's no room for ego here for me to feel slighted and to get touchy and to take it personal. If we're to resolve these issues together, then let's look at it together and let's recognize that what's being said in a pragmatic way is about how we solve the issues. That way you can take the ego out the room because if you're talking to somebody who's continuously feeling slighted or victimized or the tone that you said it, or defensive. They're just poison arrows in a marriage that lead to bitterness and resentment. And that's a hard place to come back from. And it's why we're seeing so many divorces right now. I mean, let's, we're seeing a lot of divorces right now. And I believe in the marriage, you know, I believe in the institution of marriage, you know, and I believe in the importance of, you know, working things through. And that in a healthy way, right? That's not to ignore or to tolerate abuse or any form of toxic relationship. But I think it's about time these conversations were happening in a very organic, consistent way. Look, we saw Will Smith and Jada Pinkett bring I to life. On the Red Table Talk. How could you not love that? I Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Don't even give me I, I don't like, want to take this too I long. Like this. Oh, oh my gosh. I, you know what? It was okay. Let me just say this, please. I mean, I know the producers think we're going to wrap this up. Let me tell you something. That was so amazing because it was so transparent. It was so real. You don't see anyone in Hollywood giving that level uh, or, or that, that type of inside look. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who've got things to say in the judgment. But one of my favorite things from that whole thing, and there was like bad marriage for life, kind of a play off of the bad boys for life. Yeah. Yeah. I think what it is to me, what I heard when I heard that was reasonable expectations. Look, marriage is hard as hell. Like, because I think what happens is there's this oversell on the glamour and the beauty and the wedding and the roses and everything is perfect. And when you get into it, you're like, gosh, I've never, I've not reached this perfection or this, I think it's learning how to kind of like the show that I that I host with American Ninja Warrior is just like it's one yeah. obstacle after the next obstacle. Yeah, and it's not happily ever after. It's happily working on it. You oh. know, happily working Come on. on it. Come on. Come on, Joe. Come on. Come on. You're killing right. me. All right. Well, let me tell you something. Look, I I, I could talk to you for another hour. In fact, I'm going to put you on a private jet from wherever you are. Hopefully, you're local. <laughs> 
and I'm going to bring you to my house and uh, you'll be the super therapist and the super nanny <laughs> as well. So I just want to thank you so much. Um, and and look, and for all those listeners, if you don't know Joe Frost, of course, I think you already do know her. But uh, remember, Super Nanny returns to Lifetime on September 1st. She's back in action. Joe Frost, thank you so much. This has really been an eye-opener. Um, I've got a lot to digest. I've got a lot to digest from uh, what we just talked here today. So thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate it. That was fun. What a stack show we had today. We had Jerry O'Connell, we had Alfonso Ribeiro and Joe Frost. Uh, so much to digest from all of those conversations. I want to say, first off, a big, big time thank you uh, to both Brooks and Gavin for and host How Men Think. I hope you guys learned a lot. And a little bit more of an insight is how men think, or at least how I think. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, join us for more shows on How Men Think.